I think we'll just start off this week by uh, letting Matt say his piece. So, Matt, you have 10 minutes. Insert sad cowboy music. Uh, Yellowstone music. Insert keys. Insert that music right so, now. So, Zach Bryan. Just give me Zach Bryan, a sunset on a long drive through Bullock County, because that's all I really need. Because, my God. No. And I, I, I said this before. If, if I've said it once, I've said it a million times. Whenever I am confident and I have no nerves, I lose. And last week, I really did feel very confident going into that game. I was like, "Oh yeah, no, I think we're, I, I think we're fixed. I think, I think the bugs are fixed." I believe the episode ended with Matt going tied and slamming the microphone down. It, it did. Did. It did. It did. And I, I was very confident. Then I immediately said when we got done recording, I said, no, now that I said that, we're going to lose. <laughs> oh, even in, even when I'm wrong, I'm right. Uh, no, it, it, it was a bad game, man. And, and honestly, I'll say this. I thought the defense showed moments where they were, they were decent because it really could have been worse. And honestly, a lot of ways should have been worse. Uh, Jalen Milrow is an outstanding kid and seems like he's a, a great, just a great human being. Um, and, and I hate that he's taking all of the blame. I mean, he's a major issue. And at a lot of times last week, you could tell that the lights were a little too bright for him. Um, he doesn't make adjustments at the line of scrimmage. It doesn't help when the offensive line's getting beat. Uh, receivers have got to get separation. They're not getting separation. Defense had spurts of looking really good, and then spurts of just getting smoked. And I think a lot of it had to do with young secondary. Tell me the last time that Alabama really developed player. Like, when I say develop, I mean think of like a Ryan Anderson and Williams kind of guy where they come in, they're like three, four-star recruits, and then they blossom into superstars that get drafted in the top two rounds in the, in the draft. And, and it's really hard to say. You can't really find one. Like, Will Anderson came in and was a superstar. They didn't develop him into a superstar. He was a superstar. Malachi Moore, his – Waddle, Najee Harris. Guys def- like that. Def- defensive player. You're talking about defensive. De- I thought you were talking about in general. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. talking about defense. But you're right, overall. A, yeah. a defensive player, sorry. like – most of these guys that have come in on de- on the defensive side of the ball have been superstars, came in as superstars, and they didn't really they you know might have developed a little bit, but there's not uh, there's not a uh, constant like push for for getting better, and you know uh, I I don't blame I, I don't think it's all Nick Saban because uh, I mean he is the greatest coach of all time, and quite frankly. Even if he, even if Alabama goes eight and four this year and next year and the year after, he can stay in Tuscaloosa for as long as he wants. I think that you know, with a Nick Saban team, that that's not to be expected. Uh, but if that were the case, I'm I'm saying this to say that there there were people on certain message boards saying like Saban's washed, he's done, he's completely no, Saban's not washed. I think what Nick Saban probably was thinking on Saturday night was, man, I wish I would have gone into the transfer portal and got a quarterback, not named Tyler Buckner, like early on in the process, ever he could have got, you know, Sam Hartman, if he would have pushed a little bit harder for a guy like that. Uh, because 
quite frankly, a lot of the issues did rely on Jalen Milrow. Now, it's not all Jalen Milrow's fault, and I feel like that's the easy thing to point out. Uh, that I could think of two specific, three specific plays of Jalen Milrow uh, that m- very heavily influenced the game going the way it did. One was a third down. Jalen Mil- Milrow drops back, holds on to the ball for way too long, then decides he's going to run sack. There's another play. He gets the ball. He's got pressure coming up into his face. He has room in a pocket, though, where he could just step up into the pocket and be patient and make a throw. Instead, he just takes off running up the gut and gets wrapped up by a defensive lineman. Uh, so he, he didn't really feel comfortable there ever. And the third one is there was a real route where the running back has, was wide open. I mean, completely wide open. I think it was Jace McClellan. It was either Jace McClellan or Roydell Williams. Down the sideline, wide open, three yards of separation from a linebacker that was on him, got the perfect mismatch, and he overshoots him by four yards. And it's like – and that – that's a touchdown that you just got taken off the board. And it was plays like that all night. Now, the offensive line got smoked. Texas, I've got to give them credit. They looked much better than than, than last year. They physically dominated on both sides of the ball on the lines, offensive line and defensive line. They looked more physical. They looked like they were more prepared. They There was no fear of them coming into Tuscaloosa at all. They were very confident. They were relaxed. Steve Sarkeesian came in with a perfect game plan. He was aggressive. He went for a lot of fourth downs early and often. He got them. He missed a couple. The team stayed confident. There was never a moment of panic, and Alabama did not ever unleash the the crimson anaconda that used to exist. And frankly, we got beat. There's nothing more I can say. That's my rant. I think that this game was more about Texas than it was Alabama. Yes, Alabama has some secondary issues, and obviously Jalen Milrow is... Uh, we'll see. See about Jalen Milrow going the rest of the way. I thought Quinn Ewers looked great. I thought Texas's offensive line looked great. I thought their defensive line looked great. I don't think I've ever in the 26 years that I've been on this earth have seen Alabama lose in the trenches on both sides of the football. I don't think I've ever seen that. Ever. Even against Georgia in the national championship and the times they played Georgia, I just I thought Texas was so dominant up front. And a lot of that sometimes did have to do with the way Jalen Milrow held on to the ball for way too long. But I think Texas, and this is a little bit of a week two overreaction, but I'll let you I'll let Witt give his synopsis. Texas right now, for just looking at the short what what word am I looking for? Short survey of what we've seen. That's not the word I'm looking for, but the short product of what we've gotten through two weeks of college football. Texas looks like the best team in the country. Most impressive win overall. I, I what do you think? What honestly, Chad? I kind of think the opposite. I mean, I think Texas looked really good. I don't, I'm not saying I don't think they look like one of the best teams in the country, but I thought it was more about Alabama than it was about Texas. I thought Texas looked great. They looked more dominant on the in the trenches than they have in years. I mean, I've never seen Texas look that way. But this is the first time I've seen Alabama be outclassed on multiple position groups, including quarterback, wide receiver, offensive line, defensive line, and DB. Which is that's five that's five position groups 
that Alabama usually has drafted in the first two rounds. And they don't have any guys out there that I look at and go, those guys are guys that are developmental guys. Sometime by the end of the season, they're probably going to be a lot better because I don't see that many guys that are like that. I think the defensive backs for Alabama could get better. Chloe McKintree is a good corner. Caleb Downs, phenomenal safety. But the other guys, they've got to figure it out. And I think they could probably figure it out. I'm not too worried about the defensive backs. The rest of the team, though, especially the offensive and defensive line, that is a problem. And Jalen Milrow, he did not play well. I think he looked like a very glaring issue. But the fact that the offensive line couldn't give him time to throw the ball either really hurt him. And he made some really good throws. I think he's got a good arm. It's that mid-range accuracy and the decision-making and throwing the ball into coverage when there's not something there. That's what was really hurting him. But if I'm Alabama, I honestly want to see what's going on with Ty Simpson. I want to see what's going on with Tyler Buckner. See if one of those guys can create a spark because there's not a lot of really talented skill players on the offense that can kind of hide the deficiencies at quarterback. So you got to have a quarterback that can hide the deficiencies in the skill positions the way that Bryce Young did. So that's my take. I think Alabama right now, they're still a top 10 team. But to me, they're like a top. They're like a seven or eight, not a not a one or two. Uh, it, it's weird because I still sit here and I look at our – I thought early on the running game was what was moving us down the field. Like the very first drive of the game was classic Alabama. We're running the ball effectively. The trend, like We were winning the battle up front. We were opening lanes. Texas made defensive adjustments, and we didn't do anything to stop it. And once our run game shut down, our offense start, stopped moving the ball. You could see it that we didn't have the explosiveness that we've had in the past, especially in the, the recent past. Dylan Milrow, uh, I, I've said it, 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 I feel for Coach Saban because he kind of got put in a situation. He even talked about this in his press conference where he was like, all right, well, I don't want – to completely kill his confidence because this is a massive game. And if we pull him right here and we're going to give him one more drive, it was in the third quarter. He said, we're going to give him another drive. If he doesn't do anything here, we're going to have to pull him at this point. It was a 13 to nine game. So we were, Alabama's down 13, nine. The thing that we didn't even mention was penalties. I think Alabama had four touchdowns that were called back three. It was either three. It might've been three. Three touchdowns that were called back due to penalties, holding an eligible receiver downfield. You know, if it wasn't one thing, it was another. There was it was a very undisciplined game. It was like nine nine penalties, ninety yards, ten, I believe. Ten penalties, ninety yards. Penalties, ninety yards. Lots of undisciplined mistakes that Nick Saban teams in the past. Two interceptions, two interceptions, and two fumbles. Also, that's four turnovers. Mistakes that Alabama and Nick Saban and, don't make it. And, home. and if you and if you look at that, like like take that in a bubble. You say that a team is going to have four turnovers, nine penalties for 90 yards, and only lose by 10. I think Alabama did okay times, and they were never out of it until late. There was always they when they took the lead in the third quarter, it was I, I was thinking, all right, here we go. Now we're, we're we're back. But it was it was it was last year 2.0. Like there has not been since really 2020. In an, an Alabama team has just throttled their opponent. Let me say this. First off, I was wrong about the fumbles. I'm a little dizzy from, from the Tylenol PM that Chad made me take last night. And I, I read that wrong. So it was just the two interceptions, not the four turnovers. 
They are um, not a sponsor. Don't say that. They name. are not a sponsor. We do not. They are not sponsored. But the magic pill that Chad made me take oh, last night. Public brand yeah. sleeping aid. But, really. <laughs> but either way, might I, I, I say too, those two interceptions were very, very bad. Like very it bad. was not even. It was not like he was baited into. He just stared yeah, his receiver terrible. down and then threw it right to. It a was DB. totally a, a panic mode. Just throw the ball. Yeah, I saw both of them. But this season, if if someone told you before this season started. That two weeks in, Clemson, Alabama, Texas A&M, and LSU would all have losses. And Georgia would have two big wins against really bad opponents and still not look that good. I mean, in my opinion, I don't think they look that good. Granted, I've had a lot of guys hurt. And Ohio State doesn't look that good either. Would would you believe it? I mean, the, the fact that the three best teams coming to the season in the SEC West have losses already is massive. Like That, well, that, that is not something I thought would happen. That begs the question, and I was actually texting with somebody about this today. Who's the best-looking team in the West? I would think right now, just based on what we saw this week, Ole Miss? Maybe? I, I wouldn't. I, I think that right now, the SEC as a whole. I, I would, and this, this is not, this is the league as a whole. And this is not an indictment of, you know, oh, they're terrible. But if you look at 1 through 14, and you said, Obviously, we know the best team in the SEC is Georgia. It's two. It's three. It's four. Like across the whole SEC, and you, it, it feels like you've got a one with a bunch of five, six, and sevens, and then Mississippi State, who didn't look good, uh, Vandy, and Mizzou. And I would argue that in that order, it's 12, 13, 14, Mississippi State, Vandy, Mizzou. Thank you. Um, but – Gave us so much more respect than we deserve. Thank you. Who? I thought you were going to put us at like 13. Florida? Yeah. <laughs> no, you. I mean, Vandy looked terrible this week. Vandy hasn't really looked good all year. They're 3-1. and one. Uh, Disagree. I'll take Vandy over Florida right now. <laughs> and, uh, if you were in the same room, <laughs> you were in the same room. <laughs> you didn't get a picture of the Florida blanket last night, so we're, just, we're fine. But. Yeah, off topic for, for the podcast listeners. Lifelong diehard Georgia fan, Whit Barfield, sleeps on my recliner last night in a Florida blanket. He gave me the magic pills. He gave me the magic pills, and it, it, it took, sent me into sleepy, dreamy land. Didn't drink out of one of my gator cups. In fact, I came in last night, not that it matters, but I thought he stole one of my Gatorades. Uh, even though I have more Gatorade in the fridge, I thought he took a warm one instead of getting a cold one out of the fridge. But no, he fell asleep drinking a Gatorade. <laughs> because of the magic so, pills, the magic pills sent me to dreamy, dreamy land. To get back on the on, on topic, I feel like the SEC as a whole has not looked good. I mean, if you're going to say Ole Miss is the best team, they struggled with a Tulane team that didn't have one of their best defensive players and their quarterback, or Michael Pratt. Yeah, and I mean, I frankly, if you're, so if you're trying to say, well, they're the best team in the West, their offensive line got smoked by a G5 defensive line all game. They had they averaged 2.5 yards a carry. It's the Tulane team, and this is not to take anything away from Tulane because Tulane is a good football team. You're telling me that an SEC team, if they were supposed to be a top three team in the SEC West, they should not be getting beat by the defensive line of a group of five team. It just shouldn't happen. Oh, and and you're right. And granted, slept through the entire second half of Ole Miss Tulane. But to go back to your question, there's not – if there's a clear – to me right now, if you have to put somebody at number two, 
I don't know who else to put at number two besides Ole Miss, and that's really kind of where that comes from because LSU got throttled by Florida State. Alabama showed that they have some holes. Now, let me just say this clear off since we just spent so much time talking about Alabama. I'm not writing off Alabama. Alabama, this could absolutely be what Alabama needs. Alabama could go on a resurgence the rest of the year and go 11-1, and one, and here we are. We're just going, okay, maybe Alabama just needed that one week. Matt shaking his head, but it, I'm not writing him off. I'm not doing it. As long as Nick Saban is is not in a grave, I'm not writing off Alabama. Before Matt goes on to like the 35-minute Alabama spiel, let me say something really quick. I, I know they lost this weekend to Miami, but I honestly think just from the games I've gotten to watch, which has not been a lot, to be completely honest, I'll be straight up about that, I think A&M looks like the best team in the West. And A&M just got beaten by Miami at home. But A and M solved their offensive problem, but what about their defense? They just what, got smoked by Tyler Van Dyke. Who's to say that Miami's offense is not really good? I mean, that Restrepo who went off of that game for almost 200 Tyler yards Van is a Dyke good receiver. Tyler Van Dyke was phenomenal two years ago, and then he just sucked last year out of nowhere. Who's not to say he came? I, like it's hard to say because it's week two. Like we have no idea what we're looking at. Miami might be a top ten team. We have no clue. But and granted, A and M might suck. I mean, I mean, I know they're one and one. I didn't think they looked terrible. They led for most of that game, and I passed out and took a nap through the end of it. So I didn't even get to see what happened with Miami at the end. But I watched the highlights, and I went through and watched everything. I don't really think A&M looked that bad. I mean, I think they just got taken advantage of by a quarterback who was playing out of his mind and a receiver that was playing really well. But I don't know. I mean, there's a lot to see. I feel like that's the epitome of college football, though. So this is what it's supposed to be like. This is what what it's supposed to be. And – we're having this debate in week two of like who's the best team in the SEC West, and nobody's played anybody. Like, I mean, Alabama played Texas, and the same thing happened last year after Texas almost beat Alabama and really should have won that game in a lot of respects. And then everyone was like, "Oh, well, Texas is the best team in the Big 12. They ended up losing four games last year. So it, it like, I'm not ready to say, yeah, Texas is back now. Do I, th- I think that this was a big step in the right direction, but I said it in our preseason prediction that this is an Alabama team that could go 12-0, and but I could also see them going 8-4. I mean, and it's just a, a, a matter of the schedule, and if you look at the games last year, you can always – I think what people always point to is, oh, well, Alabama only lost to LSU by one, and they only lost to LSU, or to Tennessee on the last second field goal. What about all the other games that they won by a possession or less? And it, same thing with the year before that in, in 21, where it was, oh, well, Alabama, like, you know, obviously after the SEC championship, there was like no denying that Alabama deserved to be in the playoff. But prior to that, it was like, oh, well, you know, Alabama has their one loss, but then you look at every other game and it was like, oh, well, they won that game, but it's really Bryce Young. They don't have that dynamic playmaker this year. That kind of leads me into what I was going to ask you guys here. I'm the only one getting early in the season in 2007 vibes. No, I feel like I feel like we're headed that way. Totally yeah, about I'm, to I'm, say I'm, that. It, let's okay. I just pulled something up. Listen to the top me, ten. Me, okay, hear me out on one thing though. Right, hear me out on one thing that gives me 2007 vibes. Look at how damn good the Pac-12 has been for the first two weeks of the season. The Pac-12 has lost one game. Arizona just lost to Mississippi State in overtime. However, 
to be safe, it's not if, that good. But sorry, you, Starkville people. If you look at the quality of opponent, let's not pretend that Texas Tech, that Baylor and Utah. You know, Baylor just got last week. Let's not pretend that Utah. That's a great win for Utah. No. I thought that was a very that was a very that was a lucky win. It was a, it was a very bad, very very bad loss for Baylor. But that's not a good win for Utah. And Colorado's two wins are TCU, who hasn't played defense in eight years, and Nebraska, who hasn't had a winning season in what feels like eight years. So I'm not ready to crown. Oregon didn't look great. I don't. I don't believe on on Saturday. They beat, I they mean, beat they, Texas Tech by eight, and yeah, and they, had to, and they had to come back to do it, and they had to come back to do it against a Texas Tech team that I think is very average. I think that. If you like the Pac-12, to me is just is what the SEC is, but in the wrong direction. I think the SEC is average, but highly talented when you put it in the grand comparison of college football. I think the Pac-12 is very average, and they could all beat each other on any given day. Yes, just because they're very average. Like if you look at the talent that's on SEC teams, Texas A&M being one of them. What concerns me about A&M's issues is that. Their defense was supposed to be their strength this year, and it doesn't matter who you play against. You don't give up 48 points and expect to, to be like you don't expect to be a national champion or an, even an SEC West champion because, quite frankly, LSU is going to have a pretty dynamic offense at some point this year. They're going. They, I mean, they they obviously played Grambling, but Dylan Daniels is going to figure things out. Ole Miss has a very dynamic offense as long as their playmakers are healthy. I.e. on the outside, Ray Harris, who has five touchdown catches in two games, and really it's like one and even a half because he got hurt 45 seconds into the two-lane game and had a touchdown. Um, there's too many teams on A&M's schedule that have dynamic offenses for them to do that. Now they're going to get – they could get in some shootouts because their offenses look very good, and their, their offense looked good again on Saturday. Um uh, Game went very under the radar, though, in that 3.30 slot. The uh, A&M-Miami game, I feel like more people uh, were focused on other things that were happening. I don't feel like it took the attention. Because it's, it's it came on at the same time as Tulane and Ole Miss, which was a top 25 game. And then you had A&M-Miami, which was a fun brand thing, but Miami had to give away tickets to a second game in order to get people to go to their game. Overall point is this, and the reason I kind of bring up 2007 is because it just doesn't seem like there's a clear runner anywhere. And, you know, going back to what you said a few minutes ago, no, I like I'm not ready to crown Texas. I'm not ready to give um, Quinn Ewers the Heisman. I'm not ready to hand Texas a national championship, a Big 12 championship and a playoff spot. But I think Texas right now has the most impressive win out of anybody overall. And there's a lot, there's just a lot of uncertainty. And especially like you look at the way Wazoo handled Wisconsin on Saturday. I would not have, I would not have thought that. In fact, I put the polls up on our Instagram and our Instagram followers 100% picked Wisconsin. Not a single person picked Wazoo at all. And you're right. Oregon struggled on the road in Lubbock, which I can understand. I mean, Texas Tech was in wounded animal mode at home Saturday night after losing to my boys in Laramie. So, I mean, there's factors. I just... I don't know who we're going to see at the end because if you there's still a lot of big question marks. Georgia, yeah, Georgia's still probably the best team in the country, but Georgia 
has a brand new quarterback, struggled early against Ball State and UT Martin. But they hasn't really played they anybody. Play, they don't play anybody. They don't. So, so they don't have a, there's not a game on their schedule where that's going to separate them. That you say Georgia's going to lose that game. So I think Georgia yeah. has the benefit that they could be very they, they don't have to figure it out until December. And, and that's that's what I'm saying. Like I think there's going to be uncertainty all the way through the end of the year. Same thing with Michigan. Michigan hasn't played a soul. And they don't they haven't even had Jim Harbaugh, but they haven't played anybody, so it doesn't freaking matter. And there's just there's a lot of questions in the Pac-12. I don't know who can come out of the Pac-12. This, this I think it's about a four-team race for who could come out of the Pac-12 and be legitimate. The Big 12, I I really think it's Texas. I need to see Oklahoma play a real a real opponent. I'm not trying to say SMU is a bad opponent, but I'm sorry Lando, you need to get off your high horse. Oklahoma needs to play somebody for real. And Notre Dame, maybe. I think you could put Notre Dame in the conversation. They had a good win this week. And I'll talk about NC State Notre Dame later, but that was a that was a good win this week. Um, Notre Dame looks good. Texas looks good. But other than that, I don't really know. That's why I'm getting such big 2007 vibes. I don't know who's going to separate themselves from the pack because it doesn't look early like anybody's really going to. Well, let's, let's get into NC State Notre Dame. I want to say this one thing. The same thing is going to happen this year that happened in 2007. There's going to be a lot of chaos in the middle, but at the end, you're going to get Georgia and Ohio State or Michigan or Penn State or some big name brand. There's going to be two teams that are by far the best in the country. They will be two big brand names, and they will play for the national championship in January. Notre Dame, I think – sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Whit. You got something to add? Uh, what I was going to say is talking about 2007, I brought up the AP top 25 from week one. The top 10 was Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama, in that order. That was the top four. LSU, USC, Penn State, Florida State, Clemson, Washington, Texas was 11. If you go through that line right now, the top four is completely different. I think you still keep Georgia in there because Georgia hasn't played anybody, but Georgia's still Georgia. Granted, I don't even think Georgia's really been healthy all season. So I think Georgia's a different team when they're everybody's on the field. Granted, besides that, to me, it's Florida State, Penn State, Texas. That's the top four teams right now to me. I obviously we haven't seen Michigan play anybody. Michigan could be really good. I think they've looked good against who they played, but Penn State has looked really solid. Every game I've watched Penn State, they look like a dominant team. Same with Florida State. Same with I mean, Texas Week One played nobody. Week two beats Alabama. It makes Alabama looks look very human for the first time in who knows how long. Alabama looked human last year. Not human, but more human. Matt, Matt is just sailing the ship down the bay, dude. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I just, I feel like we're talking about. And now, I, at the end of the year last year, you look at Alabama and you say, eleven and two on a Sugar Bowl. On we go. But really, there was there was so many hints in the armor. Last year, Bryce Young, being the generational talent that he was, covered up. Pull that guy out and you say, okay, very average player who's probably better than most. Better than most. Do it. Go do what he did. That's what you get. Get beat by 10 at home. Texas. Witt thinks Steve Sarkeesian sucks as a head coach, and he absolutely dominated that game. 
that game changed a little bit for me, but yeah. <laughs> he, I, I'm still not sold on him yet. I, I, like I said, honestly, I still think it was more Alabama than Texas, but I do think Texas is good. But Texas should be good. Texas has a ton of talent. Sark has done a great job recruiting. I will not dog him for that. He's done a great job recruiting. He's done a great job of putting together probably a top three offense. So, what do you guys think? I'd like to take this moment to say congratulations to Matthew Olsen on his 50th home run of the season as the race. Just ever so closer to the Phillies in game two of the doubleheader on Monday while we're recording. So, snaps all around. Snaps all around. (laughs) All around. So, I want to transition to something, and and it's up to you guys if you want to talk about this. Um, No. But I feel like as a college football show, we need to to cover this um, or at least speak briefly about it. Paul Tucker. Um, What a disaster. Boy, do I have a take, though. I I, See, I know what you're going to say, and I'm kind of going to say the same thing. So what I read, and then from what Mel Tucker, and look, I – for those listening, I'm I'm not I'm not forming opinions. I'm just merely having a thought, and I'm not to make that clear. So it, it seems a little odd that for one year, Michigan State goes out to have a good season, and then signs them to a huge contract. Massive. Ninety-five million dollars. Massive contract. Ninety-five million, ten years, ninety-five million, right? I think so. Um, like a top, yeah. I want to say he's a top ten paid coach. I think he football. is, which is wild to be the coach at Michigan State and have that as your salary. But seems a little odd, and I know Matt agrees with me. And again, we're not endorsing this conspiracy theory. It's just a thought. Believe the victims until proven otherwise. That's our stance as a show. Whatever. But that's not what the country says. But okay, that whatever. Seems a little odd to me that all of a sudden Michigan State has a rough year last year. They don't really see then all the guys are dipping into the transfer portal. Now all of a sudden you don't have a lot of hope in Michigan State to be more than average. And this happens. Now we're talking about an opportunity to get Mel Tucker fired without paying him his money. Um it's just a thought. Once again, this is a thought. <laughs> it's a thought. We're not endorsing any conspiracies, however, thoughts? Anybody else? Look, it's odd timing. A little bit. And there's a ton of money on the table. But Constitution of this country implies that you were innocent until you're proven guilty. So until there is evidence and until they have a trial before a jury of his peers did the same thing with Sean Oakman and they ruined his career. There was a, a female that said that Sean Oakman raped her and uh, like his, his NFL chances went out the window. Now, is that every case? No, absolutely not. And I think rapists should be castrated, put in jail, or killed. Frankly, I'm okay with that. However, there are instances where people tell lies. Now, is that the instance here? Nobody knows, but it is a little fishy. Smells smells a little fishy. It does. That as soon as Michigan State realizes, row, you know what? I think I think I think Mel Tucker's a rapist. <laughs> I I will say this: 
I will say this one more thing. I think regardless, I think he's done. I think they're going to get out of his contract with cause. And Did you see the, the quote that he had today where he was saying that uh, he said that hearing, the, the intention of that hearing wasn't to get to the truth. It's like, I did not see that. I did see where he came out and said that their entire relationship was consensual while he was estranged from his wife at the time. Did see that. But your thoughts? Man, honestly, I don't know. I mean, I've looked into it a little bit, but this I, I kind of agree with you guys in the sense of it's very like very time sensitive on when all this came out. It's like like Michigan State, the last last season and then this season has obviously not looked great. They haven't done a lot in the off season to make it look like Mel Tucker is going to earn the money that he actually is getting paid. So this isn't the first time we've seen something similar to this happen. Is all I'm saying. But all I'm know. saying is, who was the defensive back coach at Alabama a few years ago? Defensive analyst, come on back, fired. Bring him to Alabama as a defensive analyst. One one more disclaimer before we move on very briefly. The Rowdy, the Rowdy Southern Saturday podcast does not endorse conspiracy, theory, conspiracy theories, and we stand by those who claim to have been victims, and we do not assume anything until innocence or guilt is proven by the United States justice system. Oh, there you go. For, he was killed by the CIA. For the cure. <laughs> but back to college. But back to like, real college. NC State, Notre Dame. Notre Dame finally. Can we, can we play this game in good weather? A a a real test. Notre Dame. They, they kind of had cakewalks. Uh, NC State, by all accounts, very good team for the SC, for the ACC. Uh, Dave Doran, good coach, uh, has had opportunities to. Know, go elsewhere and but he hasn't. hasn't and NC State's one of those kind of cool places Raleigh North Carolina right there in the uh the the triangle uh gotta give it to Sam Hartman man I I said it two weeks ago and it kind of felt like an overreaction but now I'm like I'm I'm legit thinking like if he keeps up what he's doing he's going to be in New York because Notre Dame looks legit He's got the schedule to kind of back up anything that he does. Clemson's down. I don't think they play Florida State this year, do they? No. So Notre Dame's path to the playoff, kind of similar to Georgia's where they have a couple of tough games, like at Clemson's not going to be easy, uh, but at Duke, not going to be easy. ACC kind of feels like the SEC in a lot of ways, though, where you've got Florida State and everyone else. Notre Dame doesn't have to play Florida State this year. Kind of sets up a stage for an interesting path for Notre Dame here. Yeah, and I think another thing that's really kind of just falls into the Sam Hartman highlight reel is these guys had, what, an hour and a half weather delay? I mean, the last two times we've seen NC State play Notre Dame, we, we can't have good weather. I don't know if you guys remember a few years ago when the remnants of Hurricane Matthew went through there, but they played the game anyway, and it was an absolute flood. Looked like they were going to build. They needed to build an arc on the field to move the football down there. But Sam Hartman on the first play out of, or just Notre Dame in general, first play out of the out of the weather delay, bam, right down the field, right down the field, and scored immediately. Notre Dame looks good. Notre Dame looks really good. Um, NC State is a good test. Like Matt said, 
look, NC State's not an elite program. Dave Dorian's not an elite coach. They, but they're a team in the ACC who you can probably put in the top 25 at the end of every season. They're going to get at least eight wins, eight or nine wins. They're going to have decent athletes. They recruit in the top 30, 35-ish, so they're not a terrible team. So they're a good test. It was Notre Dame's first test, and they handled it very well. I'm very, very impressed by what I've seen from Notre Dame. Very impressed from what I've seen from Sam Hartman. And Armstrong's not a terrible quarterback. I mean, he's he's okay. You know, he's probably one of the better quarterbacks Virginia's ever had, outside of what's his uh, what's his name, Bryce Perkins, who or Bryce, what was his name that took them to the Orange Bowl? You're right, Bryce Perkins. Perkins, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, like Brendan Armstrong's not bad. I mean, I thought it was a good win for Notre Dame, and and Notre Dame. Looking at their schedule, I think Matt's correct. There's a very favorable schedule going forward, and I think Notre Dame, Notre Dame is going to be in this conversation. I think Notre Dame is going to take advantage of the fact that the ACC, like Matt said, is kind of just average across the board. Notre Dame plays that partial ACC schedule, and they play USC as well. Now we'll see next week. Next week's huge for them. They got to go to Columbus, or excuse me, they get Ohio State at home. Ohio State at home, and that's probably going to be our game of the week next week. For and sure. Ohio State hasn't looked great. No, they haven't. And to get that game at home, you know South Bend's going to be jumping. Notre Dame, a team to keep an eye on. Yeah, early uh, early prediction here. I think Notre Dame does win that game at Ohio State. Obviously, we'll talk more about it. we got a whole other week to decide, but uh, through the first couple games of the season, I don't, think, I don't think that quarterback's there for Ohio State. I don't know if I like Kyle McCord, so... We'll see how it goes there. But I agree with you. Like I said, beginning of the season, it feels like a year where normally Notre Dame is over overrated. Doesn't look very good. But like I said, before the season started, it feels like a season where Notre Dame isn't overrated. They're more underrated, which is very rare. Normally coming in the season, Notre Dame is always like a top five team, top six team. And then they end up somewhere outside the top 10 or right inside the top 10. This year, they started at what? 13, 12 or 13. And then now they've worked their way to nine. And you're looking at them going, honestly, that could be a top five team. That would not shock me. If Notre Dame stuck their way into the playoff. And still feels a little disrespectful. It does. I mean, honestly, I mean, you look at some of the teams in front of them, like, are we are we going to go ahead and say USC is a top five team or a top six team? I mean, I, I know they beat the crap out of Stanford yesterday, but what is Stanford now? It's not like Stanford's the Stanford of 2014 when they were competing for Pac-12 championships. So, I mean... I don't know. Like Notre Dame's really good. Um, I think they're going to make a play. They have a lot of teams on their schedule that could beat them, which is going to be tough. But that's also really good resume builders. So we'll see what happens. Right now, Dad, Witt's already given his four, four teams in the country. Top four right now. It's like if the playoff started today. I'll started today. If the playoff started today, and let's let's mark this down. It is Monday, September eleventh. God bless our country. Let's let's not leave that out. Never forget. Monday, September 11th, 2023, my top four, as much as it pains me to say it because I haven't been overly impressed with them, I still have to put Georgia one. Still have to say the same thing and put Michigan two. Texas at three. Notre Dame at four. USC, I don't think USC is going to make it to the rest of their schedule. We've talked about that. Interesting. What's yours? Georgia, Florida State, Texas. Then I feel like the fourth spot is where I like. I'm like, uh, I'm gonna go Michigan. I feel like Michigan's run game is going to be able to propel them, and I think they're only going to get like 
Michigan to me is the team that at the beginning of the year you say, yeah, not that impressed. And then you look at the end of the year and you're like, they're 10 and 0. What? It's just, it's not, nothing's going to be pretty. Nothing's going to be dominant, but they're going to be really good the whole way. Uh, no, and I think it, in my opinion, until I see it differently, the Big Ten is going to be either Michigan's or, or Ohio State's. I, again, I'm not really, I'm not really big on uh, Kyle McCord either. Um, but Ohio State is still Ohio State, and talent wise, they could, they could, they could get there. Now, yeah. if Notre Dame, like the winner of that, if Notre Dame beats Ohio State, they hop into that top four for me immediately. But I think those first three teams, Georgia gets the benefit of the doubt because they're two-time defending national Same champs. With Michigan as well. Uh, Florida State has a win over LSU. Texas went over Alabama. Both have like a marquee win that is a resume builder and then that fourth spot there with Notre Dame doesn't really have that win yet. And until someone knocks off Michigan, they just kind of get that, in my opinion, because they, they're back-to-back defending Big Ten champs, so. See, the only reason I would leave, I would put Florida State 5 and Penn State 6. I think with the way Ohio State looks offensively right now, Ohio State probably could lose two or three games, including Penn State, Michigan, and Notre Dame. Well, you know, we'll see. Like, there's a lot to be seen. Um, as far as Florida State goes, you see Florida State go on the road and beat Clemson. That's not saying anything about Clemson. It's just it's a road environment. It's still Clemson. I can see them win that game. And, of course, I think they have Louisville on their schedule, which I have questions about Louisville being a solid team. And it's a rivalry game week 12 at Florida. Look, we're not that good, but it's still a rivalry game. you got to go to the swamp. We'll see. Now, right now, if I had to pick it, we're going to lose. Just so stop looking at me like that, Matt. That's all I'm saying. That's so, all I'm saying. That, there are questions, right? So those are, those are my top four right now. Out so, questions. So mine in order, I think – if I if it ended right now, I mean, obviously you have the rest of the season to play out, whatever. I'd have Georgia one, mostly because I agree with you guys. I don't think Georgia really has a loss on the schedule besides maybe Tennessee. Um, I got Penn State two, mostly because of their schedule, because I think even if they lose one, you look at what they have to go through in the Big Ten, and you go, that's that's pretty tough. Florida State's got an easy schedule to make it. I, I think if they lose a game, I think it's hard pressed. To, well, I mean, the fact that they had the win over LSU helps, but it's hard pressed to say like, can you still put them in, concerning what the ACC's been so far this year? And then four, I think it's Texas. Um, I think Florida State's probably four, Texas three. So you got Texas, Penn State, and then you got Georgia, Florida State, and then I think you got Georgia against probably Penn State. But I don't know. I mean, right now, if I had to pick Penn State or Texas against Georgia, I'd have a hard time picking Georgia. But there's a lot more to see this season. Well, I feel like we do have to give Georgia a couple things though, to talk about before we move on to the the preview part of our uh, of our next weekend. Georgia has one one thing that nobody's really considering, and it's what do they have to do offensively to win these games? They don't have to win anything. If they don't have to show anything to win, why would they? I would like. I understand the idea of like. Obviously, you want the offense to get reps, but if you're able to get and win, you know, win, put up 42 points and win 42 to three or 49 three, whatever it was this weekend, you don't really need for Carson Beck to look like he's his dominant quarterback. You don't need Mike Bobo's offense to look super explosive. You just got to win. 
And there's not a game on the schedule that I think scares me, Georgia, at all. I mean, Tennessee looked terrible this weekend against Austin P. Looked awful. South Carolina was losing 14 to nothing against Furman at one point. Yeah, they were. Uh, I mean, the the if you if you wound up telling me that Florida was going to wind up the second best team in the SEC East potentially, I, I would have laughed. And I still think Tennessee is going to win games. Or you know, can Kentucky look very mortal? They didn't look good this weekend. It, it could be just the week two swing. This is the first game that a lot of these guys have played off of a an actual game where they're thumping each other anyway so we're gonna move on now to our poor one out cut them off segments i know you keys usually leads into these but i haven't seen keys pick up the microphone in 20 minutes so wit go ahead and start <laughs> well i'm actually gonna pour one out for wit's college road trip because so far we're two weeks into the season i've been to one game but now next weekend i get to travel to madison wisconsin for the first time ever Get to check out Camp Randall, check out the bar scene. Um, so, number one, getting to do that. Week after that, looking like I'm going to get to go to Clemson, Florida State. Uh, Chad may or may not be joining me. Not sure yet. Haven't heard Wait the not. verdict on that one. You're not joining me? I, I forgot that I have a game Friday night. He's got a game Friday night. So, me and me and uh, Matt's brother-in-law, Nathan Kisser, are going to be making our way over to uh, Clemson for my second time at Death Valley or the other Death Valley. And uh, get to see Clemson Tigers play Florida State. Not sure if it's as big a game as it was supposed to be after Clemson loses to Duke week one. But still expensive, at least. So we'll uh, we'll see how it goes. It's supposed to be a pretty fun game. So me and Kiss are going to road trip up there. So we'll see what happens September 30th because I'm sure there will be another one on the schedule. And I'll just keep rolling along. Um, and I'm going to cut off my golf game because I played in a golf tournament this weekend. Played... 27 holes Friday, 27 holes Saturday, and then another 18 on Sunday. And I did not break 100 any day at all. I played like absolute dog crap. I did not come in last, which I did last year in the tournament. I came in 10th out of 12. So, but it helped my handicap because I played like really, really terrible. Uh, and I got a really bad sunburn. And I am extremely exhausted because of that and the fact that Chad fed me some magic pills I didn't know that existed. So, here I am now, barely awake. So, cut myself off and also pouring one out for me. Interesting. Chad, what about you? I'm going to start off by cutting off conceitedness because some of us here are obviously a little conceited. Uh, Why'd you look at Matt when you said that? <laughs> I, was hoping, I, was hoping, I was hoping that he would look at you. What about you? <laughs> you looked at me, so I was like, what did I do? Yeah, I was like, is Matt conceited too? <laughs> You can it's, see. A, it's, a, it's an OSR thing it, at United Riddle. It's a sales guy thing. Conceited fuck. Jesus. Anyway. Oh. You see the joy on Key's face from all of this. <laughs> I'm, tired. Gonna I'm tired too. I haven't had any magic pills, but I was taking a nap before this too. <laughs> we were all napping before this except for Matt. I'm going to pour one out for the Atlanta Braves, specifically the Atlanta Braves and number six, because as we speak, it is game two of a four game series in Philadelphia. Braves are down seven to four. However, they did win. They did win the first game of the doubleheader today. Magic number Duke, number four right now. 
magic number number four, which means all it takes is for the Braves to win three out of four in this series. That's all. It doesn't matter if we lose tonight. We do is win the next two games. Even if we split, we'll leave Philadelphia the magic number of two, and that just means that the Phillies have to lose one more time, and all the Braves have to do is win one more time. So you know what? It's all locked up. That's probably going to cringe and talk about how I'm fixing everything, but he's looking at me sideways right now. But it's in the bag. Six straight NL East division titles. It's been in the bag, frankly, since about July. And I think it's the most hilarious thing ever that the New York Mets are probably going to finish last in the division. So six in a row, baby. It's in the bag. Matt, don't say a word. The magic number's four. We would literally have to lose every single game the rest of the season. It's going to happen. Other than that, six in a row for the Atlanta Braves. And I'm cutting off weather past Saturday because how many games went into a delay? Georgia Tech, I think, didn't. Now, of course, none of these games are super important. Georgia Tech started an hour behind. Uh, Georgia Southern started about 30 minutes late. Uh, Purdue and Virginia Tech didn't even restart to like 5 o'clock after going into delay at like 1. NC State and Notre Dame, we already said earlier, like an hour and a half delay. We can't play that game in Raleigh without having a delay. It was just delays all over the place on the East Coast for the noon kickoffs. So, putting off the weather this weekend, you know, it's the end of summer, so we need the rain to stop. We can play football play football in beautiful, cool, 65-degree all weather because that's what college football is all about and in good weather. So, You know where the weather is going to be beautiful? Weather is going to be absolutely beautiful in wonderful Oxford, Mississippi this weekend, which is where I'm heading and where I'm pouring one out for. Pouring one out for Oxford, Mississippi. High of 80 degrees, a low of 63 and sunny. My God, it's in the air. I can smell it. I can smell the beautiful aromas of magnolia eaves falling on the ground and college kids puking in the grove because they've had entirely too much to drink. And all the wonderful food that's being catered and the chandeliers, the sights, the sounds, the smells. It's going to be awesome. Uh, there is nothing like a fall Saturday being spent tailgating in the grove and... For a 6.30 kickoff against Georgia Tech, the nerds from Atlanta are coming over to uh, to Oxford. Going to be a good time. Georgia Tech, I really don't I don't have any beef against Georgia Tech. I don't, I don't mind them. They're fine. Uh, it, it'll, be, it'll be fun. It should be a blowout. Should. But never know with Ole Miss. Uh, I've, I've learned the past three years that Ole Miss is not the most reliable uh, – program uh yeah really excited about that and i am cutting off chad because my god he doesn't want the braves to win a world <laughs> series ever again because he won't shut up whenever they do well uh i've waited my whole life be happy about one of my sports teams let me have this you experience like the 90s and early 2000s I was born in 97. I didn't really experience it. <laughs> I was going to say, Matt, we're not 40 like you are. We didn't get to go through the 90s and experience the fun Braves. We have to enjoy this. We get the 2020 Braves, the 2020s. Speaking of which, Money, Money Mike, Mike just went yard. But, but for real, uh, I'm actually, my, my cutoff is, I'm actually going to be cutting off um, 
small sec, a very, very small section of Alabama fans who decided that their best way of handling the loss on Saturday night was to berate a group of Texas players by throwing a bunch of nasty words at them. Um, it's not an acceptable way to handle it. Uh, your team got beat. You move on and you take it like a man. I know it was only one guy uh, that was in the crowd saying things to these Texas players, but obviously because it is Alabama, because of the stereotypes that come from Alabama, people are all like, oh, see, this is how all Alabama fans are. Bah, 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 Stop giving the national media and other regional media groups reasons to, you know, make fun of us. It's not fun. I don't like it. And the last thing I want anybody to call me is bread or racist. So, like, come on. You are from Effingham County, Georgia. Matt, why do you remind me so much of a younger Burt Chrysler? So um, much. He's not that much younger than Burt Chrysler. So much. A much, you know skin, a much skinnier, younger Burt Chrysler. I'm, I'm, I'm going to start recording this podcast with my shirt off and telling <laughs> please, stories. Please keep your shirt on in my house. And you now have to refer to me as a machine. <laughs> Four bears, one podcast. Tom Segura is hilarious too. But I love Tom Segura. He is funny. Big fan. Let's let's let Keys pour one out. Okay, I'm gonna pour one out actually for the Sun Belt Conference leaders playing up to their opponents. <laughs> Chad's gonna sit back in his chair for this one. Uh this week we actually had a good game with App State going toe to toe with North Carolina. That was a great game. Whatever, whatever. No matter yeah, what. But North Carolina is not good. No, they're not. I don't want to give a, and I will give App State no credit. <laughs> 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 Hey, uh, James Madison beating Virginia, also a huge game. Virginia <laughs> sucks, dude. Hey, but in, but in, in recent years, though, it's been awesome to see a lot of the Sun Belt uh, teams come and get ranked. You know, last year you had Georgia Southern beating Nebraska again, down Nebraska. Marshall beat Notre Dame. It is what it is. And then in other recent years, Georgia State beating Tennessee. So it's been cool to see them. I'll do a side pour one out for Willie Fritz as well. Love that guy. He never should have left Georgia Southern. Actually, Georgia Southern never should have let him leave. But uh, awesome to see Tulane doing well against Ole Miss as well. That was a great game down to the end. And I'm going to cut off SEC teams starting slow against these cupcakes. Uh, you guys mentioned it earlier. You know, you don't know who your number two and number three in the SEC is right now. Uh, a lot of these teams are just starting games off slow. You know, Georgia with Ball State, Tennessee with Austin P. Arkansas with Kent State, Kentucky with Eastern Kentucky, and then Middle Tennessee beating Missouri. So not not too wild out of the gate this year for the SEC, so I'm going to cut them off for starting a little slow. Did I miss that? Did Missouri lose? Did, 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 did that like go completely slept on from Saturday? I've, I think I missed that. No, Missouri won. They won, okay. by, they won by four. <laughs> okay, my God. bad. Yeah, almost, I, okay, almost they losing. should have lost. <laughs> almost losing. Still really bad. Still really bad. Almost losing. I thought I missed I mean, that. I, 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 I watched it until almost the end, so I, I wrote them off as losing. I should have checked that. Okay, it's Missouri. They suck. I mean, Auburn almost suck. lost to Cal. Yeah, at, at, five, at, at 10 p.m., though. At 10 p.m. at Cal. Give them, give them a little watch, bit of credit. I watched Hawaii beat University of Albany. <laughs> Let's go. Hawaii's on the board. Rainbow Warriors. 
know what? Oh Boy from Laramie two and zero. Ten p.m. Hawaii games are back. Paniolo Trophy Dang is staying right in Laramie. <laughs> and actually, it was 11, 11 p.m. Hawaii kicks are back. Can we do that again? That was a terrible. That was a horrible. Yeah. Week. Matt, do you <laughs> do you go to sleep ever on Saturday nights? Honestly, not really. I mean, so here's here's we've talked about this. He's, are, are you still going with your... Or no, did we I'm just completely, <laughs> Okay, I was about to say, did we completely just like... We interrupted his whole thing. Yeah, like he, he was going, which he's right, but my Saturday is generally like... I'm, I'm a, I am the epitome of a middle-aged father at the ripe old age of 30. Because you are. No, but I, I will go to bed on Friday night, visions of college game day and tailgating, dancing in my head. I wake up at 6.30 because I went to sleep at midnight the night before, and my alarm time is 5.45, so I've overslept. Because at 5.45 during the week, I'm awake. Oh, on weekends, I sleep in until 6.30. I wake up, and I'm not the kind of person that can just go back to sleep. My wife is. Uh, we love you, Anna Marie. So I wake up at, I wake up at 5.45 or 6.30, I wind up getting out of bed at seven. I'll at least be lazy a little bit. I go make a cup of coffee and I figure out what I'm cooking for the day for the the slate of games that we got. Normally, I've already got it planned out, but, you know, I get giddy and excited and it's the morning and I love to watch Marty and McGee. Marty and McGee is like my guilty pleasure. Um, I feel like I would be best friends with them because they grew up with the same life that I did watching NASCAR and listening to old country music. I do that, and then I watch redneck fo- stuff. I watch football from exactly noon till fall asleep on the couch at about two a.m. Then I wake up at seven o'clock the next morning and start the process over. About those Falcons, shut up. <laughs> Drake London with zero points on my fantasy Throw roster catches. this week. Unreal. Arthur Arthur Smith is Jesus Christ. I'll be, I'll be honest. I I am totally in on it as well, but I've never heard a fan base complain more about a team that just won by two touchdowns ever. But I am totally in on it. I agree. <laughs> they didn't, they have been they pissed me off too, but then I think we but, looked I didn't even I watched the highlights. I thought we looked terrible, the, but the, the defense was great. The offense looked awful. Oh, we didn't look we didn't, we didn't look bad. No, we didn't look bad. The offense looked fine when he opened it up. But Arthur Smith is God. He either needs to hire an offense coordinator, or we need to fire him. Desmond Ritter didn't look good. Said what I said. It in what about this after the show? Moving on. Pick the damn games. Moving on. Keys. Oh. Lock of the week. Reviews. Uh, my lock, lock of the week, of week is going to be as always Georgia Southern over Wisconsin. Oh yeah. Uh, last year they did pretty well against Big Ten. Nebraska, uh, I don't. I think Wisconsin's a lot better than Nebraska was, but we'll uh, we'll go with George Southern anyway because you know Hail Southern. What are you guys whispering about? Dad was very confused because he said, "I didn't think we were doing locks of the week this year." It's and just said, we're just keys. It's the keys lock of the week. The keys lock of the week because it's always Georgia Southern, which leads us into a Georgia Southern pick. I forgot. I'm sorry. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Unless it's Georgia so anyway. Southern bye week, and then it'll and then it'll be a, a toss up between whatever Sun Belt team I decide is my favorite. That and week. Then, yeah, and then Keys <laughs> picks Louisiana Monroe. 
<laughs> I'm, a, I'm a big fan of the underdog. By the way, it's going to be an underdog. If tickets to that game yet, Keys? Yes. Keys picked Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern, Wisconsin. Wisconsin just lost to Wazoo in gross fashion. I watched a lot of that game, actually. That was one of the few games I got to really pay attention to this weekend. Wisconsin does not look that good. They didn't look good week one to me either. Georgia Southern, to me, first two weeks into the season, actually looks really solid. I mean, Davis Brin last weekend threw for almost 350 yards. The run game's really solid. The defense is playing well. UAB is a pretty good football team out of the Conference USA, and they showed up and, and beat them. So I'll give Southern a lot of credit. I think going into that game against Wisconsin, obviously Wisconsin's the favorite, but I think Georgia Southern has a really good chance. I don't think Wisconsin's defense is where it really is. Georgia Southern, I honestly think Georgia Southern has a really good chance in this game. I don't think Wisconsin has looked that good so far. Georgia Southern, in the first game I got to go watch, I didn't think the passing game looked that good. All it was was screens and broken tackles because Citadel can't tackle. UAB is a good team. They have decent talent. They're a Conference USA team. And Georgia Southern went in and won by over 10 points. So give them a lot of credit. I think Georgia Southern looks really good this year. I think we look a lot better than we did last year, especially on defense. So run game's a lot more solid. I like the fact that we're a run first team again, even though the passing game is still strong. So I'm going to say Georgia Southern wins in Wisconsin. And I think it's going to be super, super, super close. But I think Georgia Southern's going to pull it out. I don't think Wisconsin is going to be ready for what Georgia Southern is going to bring. And the fact that I'm there just makes it that much better. So, Georgia Southern, I'm going 35-34, Eags with the W. And Wit, 100% chance of being hammered drunk at Camp Randall. Beautiful. Are you going to do the jump around? Absolutely. I feel like, get a video of that. I feel like you have to. If you go to Madison, Wisconsin, there's only one reason it's to go jump around. That's half the reason around. I want to go. I, I want to go check out the bar scene, hang out with the Wisconsin locals. I hear everybody's friendly as hell. So take me it's into Camp Midwest, Randall. Man. It's the Midwest. They don't sell beer in the stadium, which sucks, but it is a noon game. So maybe I don't get hammered before the game. Maybe I get hammered after the game. That's change of pace. No, I'm See su- what happens. So I'm surprised because I feel like to most Wisconsin folk, beer is like water. Like, you know, like, I, I don't know if you're familiar with the, the, the people. Miller Lite. Like, I mean, well, I mean, Miller Lite, yes, but I mean, like they, like old Milwaukee, like Wisconsin is beer and cheese. I mean, what the hell else are you going to do in the winter? You watch the Packers, you eat cheese with pretzels, and you drink beer. In Chicago, you eat copious amounts of meat while you watch the Bears, and you drink beer. Uh, It's freezing, but people there are just so nice. Like, even Chicago, sorry to go off on a tangent here, but in Chicago, the people are so friendly for it to be a major city. Like, everyone I've ever met from Chicago is just a super nice human being. Eddie Cook. Cook, shout out Eddie. Shout out Eddie Cook. I'll listen. see. I'll see him Thursday. Oh, shout out Eddie. Shout out Eddie Cook on the road trip on the way suck, up. They do suck. He so, knows. Uh, that. He threw a party. Understand. He threw a house party after they fired their uh, GM and everybody. Yeah, he also knows the Bears suck. He but does. me and him have, uh, you know, I, that's where we share a thing. Like I have a a, a love for the Blackhawks fan. I am a Blackhawks fan. Uh, shout out Blackhawks. Number one draft pick, Bedard. There you go. But back to the football uh, that's going to be played in the Midwest. Look, I, I, Wisconsin's coming into this game 2-0, and and they see Georgia Southern on the schedule. I think Southern's got a chance to maybe sneak up on them. Uh, 
Luke Fickle now has the ammunition that he needs to get this team to be super focused. I think Tanner Mordecai is gonna be is gonna play much better this week than he did last week. The quarterback position for Wisconsin. Um, I I love Georgia Southern. I uh, wish Georgia Southern all the best. But I think the talent gap is just going to be very obvious this weekend, and it's going to be displayed. The difference between a upper tier power five school uh, and not like I'm not saying high tier, but like upper upper middle, like you know they're they're a good. It's a good football program in Wisconsin and Madison. Uh, I just don't see a whole lot of uh, a, a lot of opportunity for Georgia Southern to win that game because even though they won against a very good a, a good UA, a decent UAB team. They gave up 35 points, and I don't see us being able to stop Wisconsin consistently uh, because we do still have gaps in our defense, I feel like, down here in Statesboro, Georgia, which is going to have Irk Russell rolling over in his grave. But Georgia Southern, I, I just think they lose uh, by touchdowns. Look, I wish them the best. I really do as a as a Georgia Southern alumni and current resident of Bullock County and Statesboro. Um I do. I wish nothing but the best for the Eags, but I agree completely with what Matt said. Look, if Wisconsin goes on the road to Pullman last week and beats Wazoo in a in a power five non conference game, I think they'll be a little bit a little bit more sleepy, Georgia Southern, but I think the opposite's gonna happen. I think Wisconsin's gonna have the chamber loaded and to fire on Georgia Southern because they got to get out their frustrations. They got to fix their mistakes. And it's been no secret ever since I came back on this podcast. Everybody knows that I'm a huge Luke Fickle guy. I said it last year that Luke Fickle was the best hire of anybody in the entire coaching carousel last season. A lot of faith, maybe not really this year, in what Wisconsin's going to do, Luke Fickle, because I mean, it's it's year one, got a lot of transition. He's kind of a high-flying offense, and Wisconsin's been a run-first team. But I think Georgia Southern can can at least make a little bit of a statement, hang around early. I think at the end of the day, Wisconsin can just out-athlete Georgia Southern and you know put their foot down and win probably by 20-plus. But like I said, good luck to the Eagles, man. Wish them nothing but the best, but I'm a big Luke Fickle guy. I, I really, really am a big Luke Fickle guy, and I, I've got to pick the Badgers here. Well, for our next game, uh, this is one of two SEC versus SEC games. The first SEC versus SEC games of the year. Unless I'm wrong. Pretty sure I'm right, though. Uh, we got LSU at Mississippi State. Both teams, in my opinion, kind of limping into this game almost. Games in Starkville, Mississippi. Through two weeks, I don't really think LSU's been that good. Uh, Matt, you go first. What do you got? I got LSU winning this one and winning this one pretty sizably. Uh, Mississippi State's got a lot of problems. Will Rogers is not being utilized properly in this offense that Mississippi State's trying to create. Uh, I know that Mississippi State fans do not like us very much, and they're really not going to like this, but quite frankly, they won that game against Arizona in spite of themselves. Like, they, Arizona just didn't have enough talent there. They were not, in my opinion, very good. Uh, they went to overtime against Arizona. Arizona committed five turnovers in that game and still forced overtime in Starkville. I just thought that that was a, a not a good game for Mississippi State. It 
affirmed a lot of what I thought Mississippi State was going to be this year. I think Will Rogers threw for like 176 yards. Not not great. So, uh, I don't think Mississippi State's very good. On the contrary, LSU, they didn't look good week one, but that was against Florida State. Florida State's very fast physical defense. Uh, you could see that Florida State came into that game with 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 on a mission to prove something. Uh, and then LSU played Grambling last weekend and beat the snot out of them. I want to say it was like seventy-seven to ten. Uh, it was it was an absolute massacre. You don't really learn anything from games like that because you're not you're not really playing in a talent battle. But I think it was good for LSU to get those kinks out. Mississippi State LSU is one of those kind of rivalry games where we always point to. I think this one's like a 45-21 kind of game where LSU just kind of dominates the whole time. Mississippi scores some late to try and pull in closer, but I, I, I just see LSU dominating this game. I don't think it's going to be close at all. You would have told me that two weeks into the season, Will Rogers would have 46 pass attempts. That's it. Would been very very surprised by that. I mean, you talk about a complete changing of the offense. I mean, this is a guy who, under Mike Leach and God rest his soul, had forty six passing attempts in week one versus whatever FCS school they played. I mean, it was just it's just factual. That's how Mike Leach ran his offense. That's how he ran his programs. Will Rogers kind of thrived in that environment. I think a lot of times under Mike Leach in the past, like guys like Luke Falk and things like that, Gardner Minshew, you've seen these quarterbacks kind of thrive under Mike Leach's system because they throw the ball so much and it gives them a lot of time to make progressions. Well, Rodgers hasn't really had the opportunity to do that this year, and it's a big change, Mississippi State trying to win up front. Um, which really, to me, that's not their game, especially after the last three years of what we've seen. I, I'm not as low on Mississippi State as you guys are. I'm not super high on Mississippi State. But I think keep it close early. I think LSU breaks away late. It's, a, it's an 11 a.m. kickoff in Starkville. Sometimes that can be a little bit sleepy. But I think at the end of the day, it's going to be a good quarterback matchup if they let Will Rogers throw the ball, Jaden Daniels, and um, Rogers. But overall, give me the Tigers. I've, I've got them pulling away late. Yeah, I do too. I, I actually think it's going to be closer than Matt does. Um, I know LSU beat Grambling 72 to 10, but it was, I think, what was it, 7 to 14 or 10 to 14 in the first quarter? I mean, obviously they started slow, but at the end of the day, they pulled away. But they definitely, uh, definitely haven't looked that good to me. Um, there's obviously a lot going on in the offense. They're still a good team, they have a lot of talent. I think LSU could turn it around this season. Um, and I do think they win this game, but I'm going to say Mississippi State with that defense at least keeps it close. So I'm going to say LSU beats Mississippi State by like maybe one or two. Um, on to the next game, obviously Chad's game of the week. We got Tennessee at Florida. Florida losing at Tennessee last week or last year, um, obviously in kind of closer fashion. Uh, I think coming into this season, Florida doesn't have as much hype around them as Tennessee does. Uh, but Tennessee's got to go to the swamp. They got to get two wins in a row on Florida, which I also couldn't tell you the last time they did that. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens here. But uh, Matt, what do you think? Tennessee did not look very good this past weekend. They weren't very impressive. Florida, to me, I don't really know. Like the McNeese State, what was like? Were they good? Were they not? I don't. I don't really. 
You know, Tennessee struggled against Austin P. The point where I want, I believe at one point Austin P was winning that game, like in the second quarter. Uh, obviously, Tennessee pulled away late, but Joe Milton has not looked like he's going to have the same explosiveness with that offense that Heupel had last year. I don't think that's a Josh Heupel problem. I think it's a not having Jalen Hyatt problem. Uh, now, there's certainly things that Tennessee can figure out. Uh, I honestly feel like this could be a little bit more low scoring of a game uh, than initially anticipated. Uh, we will see. I think Tennessee wins this game in like a 21-17 kind of fashion. I, I just think it's going to be one of those kind of ugly games. It's got that old rivalry feel to it. Uh, it's that mid 2000. Uh, maybe it's the mid 2000s Florida Tennessee games that I think of whenever I see it. But uh, the, when I see the matchup, but that's what I see. I, I, I see that it's going to be an ugly game. Tennessee comes out victorious. I will, I'll call it 28. 28 21. As he wins. Tell you something. Tennessee hasn't won the swamp quite a while. Quite a while. And yes, McNeese State's not that good, but it's a nice bounce back to have after disappointing loss on the road against the Pac 12 champion the past few years in Utah. I, I'm not. I'm not going to look at the East State game and take a lot of things away from it other than the fact that we just kind of clean things up like I think we're supposed to. A lot of young guys, an opportunity to play, see the see the field, get a lot more action. Look, Graham Mertz looks pretty good. I don't care what anybody says. Graham Mertz has not looked bad through two weeks as the Florida quarterback. I think he's been a lot better than I anticipated him being, especially when he didn't have that many opportunities to throw the ball at Wisconsin. He hasn't looked bad. I think Graham Mertz is good enough to keep – Florida in this game in the home environment. I will say shout out to the swamp and all the Florida fans for actually showing up week two for McNeese state after we lost week one, it was packed for them. I, re I really was kind of worried about our crowd, whether or not we were actually going to show up because I could see a lot of our fan base trying to sail the Billy Napier ship. But on you right now, this feeling, this feeling inside my bones, and I think, think, can do this. I think we can do this. I think that we can do this. Feel it. I feel it. I feel it. Give me Tennessee by seven. <laughs> I was going to say, Chad, you're going a little Tim Tebow on the podcast right now. I don't know if I like it, but. Fan chat. Fan chat was kind of coming out there a minute. Tennessee by seven is still a little bit of fan chat. I think Tennessee blows the doors off Florida. I know it's in the swamp. I do think, okay, don't don't throw the finger at me, jerk. Such a biased piece of garbage. I'm just saying, dude. I mean, I've, I've watched – I don't think Florida is as bad as Florida was at, towards the end of last season. But it's still not – I mean, they're just not there this year. Like, there's just not those weapons there. Like, he's <laughs> giving me the face. But, look, I mean, Tennessee is a good team. I mean, Tennessee is a top-10 football team legitimately. I think Tennessee is a real threat, especially with what's happening with Alabama right now or the way they looked last weekend. I think Tennessee is an absolute threat to win the SEC this year. So, I know they still got to go to Tuscaloosa. They still got to play Georgia. It's, I mean, we'll see what happens. But I think Tennessee is a good football team. Um, so, I think Tennessee wins. I think it's probably by at least two touchdowns, give or take, maybe 10 points, 10 to 14. It's kind of where I see it. And that's given Florida a little bit of credit in the swamp. 
But Florida also has this weird thing where they always play really well. They always play up against Tennessee. And getting them at home, you never know what can happen. But definitely going to take Tennessee. I'm going to say Tennessee by 14. Moving to the next game, we got a little out-of-conference game uh, for the SEC. Kansas State heading into Columbia, Missouri. Take on the Missouri Tigers. Uh, SEC is 0-3, I believe. Maybe 0-4, counting Florida-Utah in big out-of-conference games this season. So this is the first one where you look at it and go, all right, well, let's, I don't know, 0-5 counting South Carolina at North Carolina. So 0-5 in big out-of-conference games this season. So throw this one on there. I, I'm counting this one as a big game. Kansas State's a top 15 team. Missouri, obviously, not one of the better teams in the SEC, but almost losing to Middle Tennessee State last week. But still a big one. Um, let's see if Missouri can pull it off. Matt, what do you think? I really don't even feel like I, I Missouri deserves our time. The boys from Manhattan do. We are a Manhattan Kansas podcast. We love the boys from Manhattan. We love the fans in Manhattan. This is Will Hall's team. Will Hall took over last year whenever uh, Taylor Martinez got hurt, or was it Adrian Martinez? Whatever. One of the Martinez quarterbacks, whichever one it was that transferred from Nebraska, one of the four in a row that it felt like. Uh, went in, and he ended up getting hurt last year. Will Hall came in, took over. It's a great. He, he had a really good. Uh, that is his name, correct? Will Hall. I'm, I just doubled. Jaron. No, Jaron. Jaron Hall. Aaron Hall. That's Will Southern, Hall Southern Miss head, head coach. Yeah. yeah. Aaron Hall. Aaron Hall has solidified his place. Uh, as the quarterback there, I don't even think this game is going to be close. It's a real shame that this is the, that, that the bottom tier of the sec is going into these big out of, out of conference games with the exception of LSU losing to Florida state, but you know, South Carolina frauds, Missouri frauds. Don't, don't give me all that. You know, Kansas state, if you don't win this game by three touchdowns, you have, you have severely, Severely hurt your stock and my faith in you, but I do. I think the Wildcats go and roar in Mizzou. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be really, really ugly. In fact, I was listening to my boy JP on the late kick this morning, and when he announced the um, Any Given Saturday tour was going to Columbia, Missouri this week, I was baffled and shell-shocked. And I sit down for a minute because I was like, why in the world are you going to this game? I don't know why we're picking this game. I don't know why I put it on the list and said, hey, guys, let's pick this game. But we are. But, again, it's because Matt's right. We love the people of Manhattan, Kansas. They love Whittle on Twitter. Still waiting on our free invitation to go to Manhattan, Kansas. I would love to go to Manhattan, Kansas. I don't know why, but we're going to go one day. We're going to go for free. You just wait. Kansas State, man, Kansas State's going to be a player in the Big 12. I'm not saying Kansas State's going to be a national championship contender. Probably going to be a top 20 team when it's all said and done, win nine or 10 games. They're going to blow Missouri out. Uh, it's just, you can't play like you played at the start of the season if you're Missouri and expect to beat a team like Kansas State. Kansas State's confident program. I'm a big fan of Chris Kleiman and the success that he's had at Kansas State and North Dakota State before this. Give me the Wildcats big. In total agreement. Right now, Kansas State is my favorite to play Texas in the Big 12 championship. And, uh, and I think they are a top 15 team. I think they might be a top 10 team. They're solid. They look good again. They look like how they did last year. Will Howard's even better than when they had Adrian Martinez for most of the season last year. 
So giving a lot of credit to them. Kansas State, we love Manhattan. I'm going Kansas State. Will Howard. It was Will Howard. Will Howard. Not Jaron Hall. Jaron Hall was BYU's quarterback last year. I thought that's who you were talking about. Yes, it was. It was Jaron Hall. Yeah, it was BYU. We're picking BYU next. What's a good segue, though? There you go. That's a good segue. We are doing BYU next. We got Arkansas going to BYU. No, 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 no. That was last year. It's in Fayetteville. Please hold. We got BYU going to Arkansas. Games in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Um, obviously, last year, Arkansas going to BYU. But that was last year. This is this year. Fayetteville, Arkansas, home of the best team in the SEC as of now. Um, so so uh, let's see what happens here. Obviously, Arkansas brought a lot back. BYU lost their starting quarterback, Jaron Hall. Uh, Matt, what do you got with this one? I think Arkansas wins as big as Sam Pittman's boobies, man. I don't. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. That was phenomenal. I I thought that that, uh, everyone's seen the picture, man. Come on, man. man, Hey, he's a good man. He's a good man. Give him some credit. He's a a phenomenal recruiter. Yeah, he's probably. Never mind. I'm not going to say that part. Oh, my God. We can go. <laughs> we we'll just move along and pretend that that didn't happen. But no, I do think you know that Arkansas is going to dominate this game uh, with all that they brought back. Now, I don't think that Arkansas is. How do I say this? I don't think that Arkansas is that great this year either. I just see BYU as a team that lost a lot from last year that they're not going to be able to overcome. Where you have a J. Jefferson run offense still did get Keaton Slovis. No, but they, I, I don't think they, I think Keaton Slovis is a little overhyped, frankly. Uh, Arkansas wins. I think it's going to be closer than you guys think it is. I mean, it was a really decent game last year out in Provo. I think this is kind of a slept on matchup. Um, I like the fact that it's at night. I feel like 7.30 on ESPN2 is the due respect that it gets it's a pretty solid out of conference matchup between our five teams because i forgot byu's in the big 12 now um i think keaton slovis regardless of what matt i don't think he's super overrated i think he's a solid quarterback however i think kj jefferson's better kj jefferson so far has only thrown 11 incompletions all year and he's got five touchdowns but obviously kj looks healthy arkansas looks healthy i think Arkansas is probably a 7-8 win team. I'm not chalking them up to be some major contender. Big fan of Sam Pittman. Give me the hogs. I can't talk anymore. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I'm going Arkansas. I think Arkansas wins big, especially playing in Fayetteville. Um, they're going to have a rocking crowd. This is a big game for Arkansas. This is one of the bigger games they're going to have this season uh, where they actually feel like they can win the game. Um, so... I'm going to pick Arkansas. I think they run a lot in this game. I say KJ Jefferson, AJ Green, um, and Rocket Sanders. They're going to combine for almost 200 yards rushing. Um, BYU just doesn't have it in the trenches. I don't like Keenan Slovis. I don't think he's bad. He's probably better than what they have right now behind him. But compared to Jaron Hall, compared to Zach Wilson, who is currently playing in this New York Jets football game right now instead of Aaron Rodgers, which is absolutely killing my fantasy team. Um, I think that uh, BYU gets blitzed in this one. So hopefully putting the SEC on the board in out-of-conference matchups because if not counting Missouri, this would lead to 0-7, which would look really bad for the conference. So that's all I got. 
Thank you guys so much for tuning in to Rowdy Southern Saturday. If you enjoyed the episode, please give us a five-star rating on Spotify and Apple Music and follow our social media at RowdyPod on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. Yeah.